Hello, hello, hello. This is James Crisofulli. Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Recap Podcast from NBN. Um, and I'm joined today by a special guest um, returning from last year. Ryan Boyd. Thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, coming on. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, so let's dive right in to the events in politics this week. Um, the major timeline that we're going to be covering is about uh, the Department of Justice and the Attorney General William Barr um, and the Roger Stone trial. So do you want to kick us off, Ryan, with some of the details of that? Mm-hmm. So uh, the Roger Stone trial, uh, the Department of Justice had given or had presented um, sentencing guidelines at trial and uh, under the direction of William Barr, the Department of Justice submitted updated, revised sentencing guidelines that were more lenient on Roger Stone. And as a result of this, the prosecutors who were on the case resigned, and uh, they, I I guess, didn't give a clear reasoning why, but it's pretty um, pretty well understood that it was because of the uh, influence from William Barr to try and uh, reduce the sentence of Roger Stone. Um, a few other just things that uh, William Barr come under fire for this week. He uh, said the De- Department of Justice is establishing a uh, formal intake channel for the information gathered by Rudy Giuliani on Hunter and Joe Biden from the Ukrainians, um, and that will and that 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 process will be supervised by him and by the De- Department of Justice. Um, and obviously that will be subject or that will be a lot of political information, um, potentially something that Trump could use in a campaign against Joe Biden, against yeah, Joe Biden and the Bidens in general. Um, more information for him if that gets shared with Trump. So a lot of suspicion around that. Um, and then also Barr sort of fired back against Trump this week. Uh, so going on, I think, a, a, a Fox News or, or, or some show where he said that uh, Trump tweeting undermines him and quote makes it impossible for him to do his job um and and so there's some sort of emerging tensions between trump and Barr this week yeah and i think some people see it as an effort by Barr to change the conversation from the fact that in terms of the actions he's taking he's been helping trump he's been trying to get uh, as we mentioned lighter sentencing uh for trump's political allies um and by saying that he was upset with Trump's tweets, really, it's kind of a meaningless thing to say and changes the conversation from the discussion about his influence politically to benefit Trump um, to maybe the idea that there's disagreement between Trump and Barr when in reality he's been seen as playing interference for Trump and trying to help him as much as possible. Right, yeah, that it, this gives the facade that there is some independence, but uh, in reality that doesn't seem that, like there is much. Um, and then lastly, uh, there was a letter, I believe today, um, that came out, or maybe yesterday, uh, from 1,100 or so federal, former federal prosecutors uh, calling for Bill Barr to resign as Attorney General. Um, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, and there has been discussion among... Some Democrats, I think most prominently Elizabeth Warren, calling for uh, both Bill Barr to to resign, but also to be impeached. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. some some people have been saying that the Democrats should maybe think about beginning impeachment proceedings against Barr, given um, how he has interfered on Trump's behalf in a lot of Justice Department proceedings. 
Um, it seems like there's been a lot of reluctance among Democrats to begin that discussion, just given that the Trump impeachment just took place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't want to go through another process like that. Um, okay, uh, some other news this week. Uh, coronavirus um, still um, spreading throughout China. And uh, the, recently, just today, I believe, the uh, U.S. government made a decision to fly back um, the, mem- the Americans who were stranded on that cruise ship that was um, stuck in harbor and being quarantined. Uh, they were, initial plan was just to quarantine them, but the uh, government decided that they're going to ship them back and, and have them on military bases in the U.S. Um, so yeah, another escalating uh, or more escalation in this coronavirus crisis. And um, I just also, I just wanted to mention the strategies that have come out about what how China initially handled the outbreak and, and President Xi Jinping uh, essentially just cracking down on any dissenters and any... Um, and not uh, not listening to the initial complaints made by made by scientists and warnings made by scientists, so sort of an in, insight into the authoritarian nature of that that's that regime. Yeah, I think people have been um, definitely concerned about the lack of transparency, and there's mm-hmm. been speculation um, about the fact that the outbreak could have been worse or could be worse than the Chinese government is letting on. Um, there's also been um, some definitely more reactionary or more alarmist and conspiratorial uh, talk from some people in the United States. I think Tom Cotton yesterday was on Fox basically saying and speculating that no one knows how the virus started and it could have been started intentionally by the Chinese government and all these crazy things. And so I think Similarly to the Ebola crisis uh, a few years ago, there's a lot of misinformation and mm-hmm. a lot of people who are trying to use this to further other agendas, which is um, obviously concerning. Um, no, other news from Congress this week, the Equal Rights Amendment was voted on. There's kind of, it was kind of a complicated vote, but what, essentially what happened was the Democratic House passed a resolution that said, so the Equal Rights Amendment was passed um, in where, the 60s, I think the 60s, um, and but it required 38 states to ratify it, um, and the deadline set by the amendment was 1982 for that to happen. That that did not get fulfilled. Virginia was the 38th state to ratify it, but that happened uh, well after 1982. So the vote this week was to retroactively remove the 1982 deadline so that the 38 states that have ratified it could qualify um, and it could could pass. But so that passed the House, but there's very little likelihood that that will pass any or even get voted on in the Republican controlled Senate. McConnell has previously stated that he does not support the ERA. So um, it's more of a symbolic gesture there. Yeah. And I think it sheds light on a couple things. One, the fact that in 2020, it's pretty incredible that there's one party against the Equal Rights Amendment, um, especially given that this was something that was initially, again, passed, you know, in the middle of the 19th century, Mm -hmm. in the middle of the 20th century. Um, And also important to note that this was passed in Virginia um, because the Democrats won back control in state Mm -hmm. uh, legislative elections. Again, shedding light on the importance of local elections and how that can have um, relatively large ramifications, um, even on national politics. Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's just stunning that how simple the language of the ERA is. It literally just states that rights should be guaranteed regardless of sex. That's basically the entire language of the amendment, and we can't get a consensus on that. Um, all right, well, any final news stories that, that you uh, were thinking about this week that you wanted to talk about? I think just one briefly campaign-related money in right. politics. Um, Michael Bloomberg has, it seems, shot up in, in a few recent polls. Um, and he's just been spending extraordinary amounts of money both on advertisements on TV, on YouTube, um, across platforms, but also on um, co-opting like, influencers and memes and stuff on the internet. I think that was a, a pretty big story this past week. And you've also seen a lot of Democrats and Democratic groups who had accepted money from Bloomberg in the past come out and endorse his campaign. I think there's been a few members of Congress, um, Harley Ruda, for example, in California, um, who accepted uh, a bunch of money from Bloomberg um, in the 2018 election, came out and endorsed his campaign. Mm -hmm. So definitely interesting to see the dynamics there in terms of how he's using money, not just on the airwaves, but to co-opt elected Democratic officials. Yeah, yeah. And concurrently, though, with all this sort of these endorsements he's getting, he, some more is coming out about his past and what he said previously, you know, in regards to stop and frisk and things like that. So he's getting more scrutiny as well. But I encourage you listeners to check out the 2020 campaign podcast uh, at MBN. Um, uh, they'll go dive much more deeply into some of these campaign issues. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to mention... Uh, the conflict in Syria has been escalating this past week. Um, Russia has escalated its bombing efforts and its campaign to, uh, helping the Assad regime in taking over Aleppo and the last uh, areas in Idlib where the resistance is concentrated. Um, and Russia and Turkey, who support opposing sides, are saying that they're going to go to uh, go to the table, negotiating table, and, and talk tomorrow. Um, but just really horrible violence escalating there. Um, in a, in a situation that seems like it's it's getting worse for the rebels and that the Assad regime is is about to basically entrench itself uh, full and gain full control. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Yep, um, and I think that um, people were, I guess, saying that the Russians had sort of, uh, because the Assad regime has consolidated power, it's been relatively successful for for Russia in terms of um, their decision to engage in Syria. But I think similar concerns have arisen as to U.S. engagements in the region in terms of what the long-term strategy is and sort of sinking a lot of money into a region and not um, sort of having a long-term plan as to what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, again, um, there's a lot of questions around what Russia intends to do and, and whether it has been a successful successful from their point of view. Right, yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, tune in next week for another edition of the podcast and uh, keep your eye out for the news. All right, thanks so much. Take care.